0: Interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, Halloween. I guess everyone's
1: entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore,
0: and sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast (laughs) we are back finally my bloody podcast is back in rare form episode 88 the crazy 88's coming at you Oh my goodness, it has been a full more than six weeks since we've done a full show, but Brian Kluger, your host, me, is back with the host with the most Preston Barta, the man I wanna live with in a post apocalyptic war torn world. Oh, Preston, I've missed you. Happy birthday, Preston. What's been going on, sir?
1: Oh, it's been going it's been going great. I'm 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 glad that we're we're back. It, I've missed this way too much. I I, I have missed it too. Uh, I I'm well. First
0: off, happy birthday! You are a year older. You're you are no longer in your twenties. You you you're no longer young and spry. You're an you're an old man. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my cane ready for myself now. You 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 do you do. Uh, so I believe our last episode. Several weeks ago, we had our friend James Colclay on on the show where we talked about Scream Factory releases. And before that, it was April Fool's Day. And I think we just April fooled everyone that we maybe weren't coming back. But psych, Uh, we're we're back with a vengeance. And just I've missed you, man. I've missed you, too it is a uh, is is good stuff. So so we're back on my bloody podcast. We're doing the full format today. We we've got we've got uh, our main event. We've got bloody recommendations, bloody tunes, bloody questions uh and our bloody main event today, our main our main feature presentation since it's Preston's birthday. Uh what what are we doing this week, bud?
1: We're doing Mad Max Fury Road when it's ah. it's also it's fifth year. Of being out there.
0: Yes, it, it's been five years since that release, and I vividly remember watching that movie in the theater with Mr. Prestone. Uh, so good. It's just so good to be back. We're excited. We're, ba- we're, we're back. The bloody podcast is back. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, we're everywhere. <laughs> Um, before we get into all of that good stuff, um, we're gonna do some bloody bits of news, and so we're just we're just happy we're we're welcoming everyone back to listening. But first, let's 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 talk about some interesting news, and let's get let's just get to the news that just literally just came out, uh, like half an hour ago that was just added to our run sheet. Uh, (laughs) Um. So over the past few years, uh, Zack Snyder and his, you know, uh, the, the director that did Batman v Superman and Justice League, you know, and Man of Steel, we just, he's, there's been talk about a Snyder cut of Justice League, correct, Preston?
1: Oh, yeah, for quite a quite a long time, pretty much like, like immediately right. after Justice League dropped, people were wanting it. Right. So most when, when most people saw
0: Justice League, the movie, the live action movie, ev- most people just hated it. It just wasn't good. But allegedly there was this Snyder cut of the film, which probably featured 30 minutes to an hour of more footage to the film that made it better and darker and greater. And we're just – we're hoping – we everybody was hoping to see that there was petitions online saying release the Snyder cut um, because I do believe Snyder had to leave filming due to a family tragedy and Joss Whedon took over. So I think it just went in a very different direction. And so throughout the years, I think there's just been a ton of talk online and chatter uh with the hashtag release the snider cut. Well today it looks like the Snyder Cut is actually coming, which is crazy <laughs> because it's been talked about in, you know, film and movie circles for quite some time. And it will be released on only on HBO Max uh in 2021. And it's just oh just this kills me and makes me funny and I just, oh my goodness. What what do you think, man? What do you think?
1: I just find it funny. I mean, I really want to see it, but I wasn't like <clears throat> jazzed up about it like everybody else was putting hashtag release the Snyder Cut out there. But it's just funny that it took this Snyder Cut movement to make this happen and a lot of money. Apparently it costs 20 to, or it's going to cost about 20 to 30 million dollars for them to add new special effects and new score and things like that and re-edit the film. Um, so, I, I, I haven't really liked any of the Snyder Batman Superman movies. Um, I didn't mind justice league, um, for what it was, but it, it still just felt like a really diminished version of the first Avengers that Josh Whedon did. And so I, Whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, whatever. So this news came uh, today, I guess... um during a live online commentary with Henry Cavill, who played Superman, Zack Snyder announced the Snyder cut that was coming. <laughs> so I just – oh, my goodness. I have friends. We, I, I believe if Preston knows uh, the mutual friend uh, Adrian Charlie in Canada, he's a fantastic fester, and he's part of the Crow Show um, on Twitch and YouTube. He is – the world's biggest snyder fan and he's like every day i just get random texts about releasing the snyder cut and (laughs) i heard him yell from canada in texas when this news released and so i know he's happy but i think it just so many people are happy about it and you know it almost i mean what do you think about them releasing on hbo max because that means I mean, I guess if they were to release it on Blu-ray or 4K, which I uh, eventually they will definitely do, um, I just, I mean, that's... Well, yeah. hopefully. We still haven't gotten Mitsumar. No, we have In not that. Yes, we have not. Uh, I would imagine that is coming at some point, um, but I, who knows? Uh, but even even with that, HBO Max is different than, let's say iTunes, HBO Max, you have to pay a monthly subscription rather than paying for it just once and having it. So I'm curious on how that's going to work because, I mean, HBO Max looks like a crazy amount of content. So let's hope that you know, there will it will sustain itself. But, you know, do you think this is a big selling point for it? Because to me, it doesn't seem like a huge selling point. Like, I think it's like a bonus, but it's not like, oh, I got to get HBO Max now type of thing.
1: I don't know. It seems like everybody on the Internet, on Twitter and the film community is is very pro Snyder cut. And so this is just a moment where they can prove that uh, they actually do give a shit. So, um, I don't know. I don't have HBO Max, but, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of interested to see how it'll work on there. Um, but I, I, I'm definitely going to check it out. There
0: you go. Uh, the Snyder Cut will be released on HBO Max. I'm sure we will have a full review for you next year when that releases. Oh, my god. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, so we've talked about Stephen King's The Stand being remade and yesterday they finally released new images. They released the first images, the first look at some of the characters and production stills of this project, this fairly extensive project of remaking the stand. And I've got to say, you know, it's kind of cool seeing these pictures. You don't see a lot, you know, going on. Uh, What made me laugh and took me out of the stand was Whoopi Goldberg, for sure, seeing these photos. (laughs) I just saw that and I just started laughing. I'm like, oh, Jesus. And I'm sure it'll be good in context, but just seeing her... Uh, as that old lady was really funny to me. Um, Preston, what did you what did you gather from these new photos? Is it more exciting? Are you less excited?
1: What do you think? See, uh, The Stand is one of my blind spots as a Stephen King fan, but uh, I I'm not seeing. I own it on VHS, but have yet to watch it, uh, the original series. But uh, I remember us talking about it not too long ago and thinking about all the people that are involved in it, like uh, Heather Graham and Greg Kinnear and things like that. Um, Giovanna Depo from Watchmen and Overlord. So it's got great talent behind it. And so from a visual standpoint, it looks like it's got some good color grading. I don't know. Uh, Some unique camera angles and things like that, but uh, some really good neon light work as well. Um, there's a shot of Alexander Skarsgård as uh, Randall flag that looks pretty cool, and he's got a unique hairdo and a nice beard. Um, but yeah, um, I'm I'm excited about this one. I am too. I'm,
0: I'm very. I mean, I'm, I'm 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 going into it slowly. Like I don't want to go head first into it being excited just because I know it could be you know horseshit but i i hope not like i'm because i i i liked the book the the long as hell book you know and i watched that miniseries uh you know two or three night event back in the early 90s when it came out and i was a fan of it for sure so uh i'm Yes, I'm very curious to see where this goes. I think we won't really know for sure until we see, like, a pretty decent trailer uh, to see if it will do anything. But, yeah, um, new photos are out of the stand now if you've been uh, clamoring
1: for those. So, there you go. Does it make you more excited that the director of The Fault in Our Stars is directing the first episode?
0: (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Fault in Our Stars, yes. I mean, I think a director can tell any sort of story, you know, in any genre. And I think Fault in Our Stars had, you know, looks good, you know, visually. So I'm excited about that. Uh, so there's that aspect of it. I mean, would I have, would I have chosen him? Probably not.
1: Um, but I don't know. Would you? Uh, i mean i i'm all for for directors uh i mean hell the one that we're talking about now uh mad max free road did happy feet and babe and those are like complete 180s and yet uh they're they're he's great in both directions um i'm not comparing happy feet and babe to fault in our stars but i i agree with you that fault in our stars at least looked good and had some good emotional beats but i'm just not a big john green fan um But, yeah, um, have you heard any news about, because I know that production was shut down during, uh, because of COVID-19, have there been, like, any updates about, like, what they're going to do in regards to picking that back up, or if they're going to be releasing what they have at the moment? I just, I'm I'm not really up to date on what the release uh, plan is with this one. Um, as
0: far as I know um i the the show had to rack production four days early in March, so it looks like they kind of wrapped it um and they got everything done beforehand is what I'm thinking, so I think it's gonna be released on time
1: I wonder how that affects them having – like what was interesting? to me is a couple about a week ago I interviewed the filmmaker of the latest episode of Into the Dark titled Delivered and she was talking about um, having to mix the movie remotely and they had to develop some technology to make that happen for them and I I wonder what the process is going to be for well not just this show or But most entertainment out there, like how that's going to work going forward, uh, doing this kind of hit record, Joseph Gordon-Levitt type thing where everybody's just kind of working together separately to create some sort of cohesive uh, mix and narrative. And uh, I'm just really interested in what that process is going to be. Right. Uh, I am I'm
0: very curious because it's going to be on cbs all access right and it's going to be a 10 hour limited series which i mean i'd imagine 10 episodes right
1: yeah i would say so yeah so does does cbs all access like have anything else other than like uh twilight zone like like i don't know i don't have that service either just because there's so many services out there but
0: like what what else do
1: they have oh star trek discovery but i guess that kind of ended Dinner. Yeah, so
0: no, I I, I own C B all C B S All Access. I pay for the the expensive one without the commercials. And yes, they do. They have all the Star Trek shows on there, like from the past, e- even the animated one and the original series. They have the the two new ones. Uh, they have the Good Fight. They have um, the Twilight Zone, which is the they have the old version and the new version. Um, And then, you know, all their classic stuff as well as feature films. Uh, So they they have quite a bit... uh, They have a pretty extensive catalog and with their old shows like Cheers or gun smoke or anything like that. Uh, every season, every episode is on there. So it's actually, it's actually a pretty good deal, and their film uh, library is excellent. Like, they, I just watched Leon the Professional on there on CBS All Access, and I mean, it's no commercials or anything, and it's, it's great. So I think that one's worth it. I think it's about five bucks with commercials and ten bucks without. Uh, and then if you're watching current programming, you can watch live TV, and if you're watching like any current television when it comes back like reality shows or whatnot it um airs them every week for you on demand so uh it's a it's a pretty good service i would say if you're into whatever cbs has to offer cool yeah no it's it's definitely worth it uh and i think this stand thing is going to be it'll be hopefully it'll be good. So I'm glad I still have CBS all access because I definitely get my use out of it. Cool. There you go. Um, Moving on. Interesting little video game news talking about Mortal Kombat 11. Yo, it is out and it is uh, going in line with what they've been doing for the past few games they've been releasing. So if you, games go they started adding horror and sci-fi movie characters to their to their character roster to you know fight with Luke uh, Liu Kang and Cage and Sonya and Scorpion and Sub-Zero so they started adding they added Freddy Krueger in they added uh Jason Voorhees and Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre in so this new Mortal Kombat 11 game has RoboCop and Terminator in it uh, both voiced by the original actors Peter Weller and Arnold Schwarzenegger their likenesses are in it and there is an excellent clip of the in-game play and the fatalities in this and Preston just watched this a few minutes ago before the podcast and him being a RoboCop fan and Terminator fan I can't wait to hear what he has to think about it because I have no idea
1: well holy shit it was amazing, man. because uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, it, Preston's not a gamer, so I hope by showing him this, it's like one little half step forward to him like shit, I gotta get this game and play it.
1: If the whole game was this, I would.
0: It I mean it basically is. I mean you can play them, you know with each character and do whatever fatality special moves they have because that, I mean, that's what I've done with the, the previous part 10 with Alien and Predator and um, with Jason and Leatherface and you just go through the whole motion
1: of everybody which is quite fun I really hope there's a behind the scenes of this just because I find it so funny knowing Peter Weller, Peter Weller and just Imagining him sitting in the booth doing that, like that viral video that went out with Hugh Jackman doing all the grunts and ah, ugh, ugh, ugh. like I just want to see him doing that because there's a lot of grunts and everything, especially if you're fighting, getting shot at, and getting your back broken, whatever. Uh, just want to imagine like what that would be like.
0: It is excellent. So, Robo, one of RoboCop's fatalities. So, in these games, there's about you know close to six different fatalities, and one of them, Preston, describe it what you saw.
1: Are you know, we talking about the last one? Yes. The kill, the kill shot, the finishing yes. shot. Yes. Um, all right. So, if you ever seen RoboCop. You know that I think it's like chapter twenty-seven. I can't remember. There's like this great video on it that lets you know like what exact chapter it is if you have the Blu-ray or the DVD. Um, where he shoots the pervert that's in the dick that's trying to assault this woman, and so they pay homage to it in this video game trailer where the finishing shot and spoiler alert Terminator is the one that gets finished in this one gets shot in the dick by one of those uh, firing rounds, the bigger bullets. And they he throws it up in the air and it falls on the other side. So it lines up perfectly where he's able to shoot him through the dick and then explode from the back. So all his limbs go flying everywhere.
0: <laughs> it's so bloody and gory and greatness. It's, oh my goodness. I love These games are fun because... I mean, you could play online, but if you just want a quick, like, oh, I got 10 minutes to spare, you could play like two or three rounds, you know, with a computer or whatnot, and just have fun with it. And it's wonderful. It's it's so good, and I'm just so glad that they got Peter Weller to do the voice for it again. Like, when was the last time he was RoboCop? <laughs>
1: um over almost 30 years ago <laughs> but uh, i'm sure he's done some like voice work here and there and he's he's done the voice at comic cons and things like that but right now he's like so completely over it that i'm just they prob- they had to have given him a fat check for it oh for sure for sure i had no doubt in my mind meanwhile <laughs> arnold would be like i'll do it for free
0: yeah no for sure why not like i mean Peter Weller is mostly known for Robocop I just don't, I, st- I still don't get I know he's your best friend I just I, I don't know why he just doesn't accept and love that this Robocop business
1: <laughs> well he's a he's a, a, a Renaissance man that does a lot of art dissections and analysis and he's a historian so he probably just feels that he, he's above it
0: well, there you go. There you go. Uh, but yes, RoboCop vs. Terminator on Mortal Kombat 11. Check those videos out. Get that game. It is super fun. Moving on uh, to a bit of interesting news from a uh, a filmmaker we like quite a bit. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Preston, what did he
1: direct? Uh, he directed The Killing of a Sacred Deer. And the lobster and dog tooth. He's a great he, guy. He He's is a weird yes. guy.
0: <laughs> yes, no, for sure. He is an eclectic uh, bit of movies. And we might have talked about this before, but there's more news. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos, the director, he is teaming up again with screenwriter Tony McNamara, who did one of Preston's favorite movies called The Favorite. Yeah. And he, they're doing an adaptation of the 1974 gothic western novel Hawkline Monster. And uh, I guess it's about two gunslingers who are hired by a 15-year-old girl to kill a monster that lives underneath the basement in the home of the title character, Miss Hawkline, which just kind of sounds like true grit mixed with like –
1: Unforgiven. Oh,
0: yeah oh in a horror movie like with a monster like that just sounds awesome to me uh and surely
1: it will be better in jonah hex
0: <laughs> my goodness when are we going to release that director's cut of jonah hex
1: i'm sure J- i'm sure josh brolin would make it happen
0: and it's, it's interesting because this project has been around in Hollywood for quite a while. Uh, Tim Burton and Hal Ashby uh, have wanted to do this uh, movie and Hal Ashby's uh, version that he tried to get off the ground was going to have Jack Nicholson and Dustin Hoffman star in it. So, I mean, that's pretty huge, And your Ghostland Themos, I mean, going off just from Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I love, I just can't wait to see like this very nuanced, kind of slow burn psychological horror from him, set, you know, Western
1: wise. I'm very excited about this. You think it's going to have that really weird mannered style that he has, where it's like this left of center, Wes Anderson kind of weirdness i don't know how to describe it but like there's like a particular language to his films even the favorite has it too like everything everybody's either like sarcastic or there's just like this deadpan delivery i wonder if that's gonna be a continuous theme i've got
0: because you know like because you bring that up and you know like in the lobster or killing of a sacred deer like it it really is very kind of monotone almost uh in like that you know like you said like wes anderson where it's nobody's really yelling or anything throughout the whole movie so i wonder like even with like the monster there if we see it if it's really going to be like that too because i think there's like a certain atmosphere and build and tension when stuff is like that mm-hmm. so and he does it very well yep i agree so uh be on the lookout for the Hawkline Monster. We'll definitely. Man, can we get Yorgos on this podcast?
1: <laughs> uh, I guess reach for the stars and see what happens.
0: I know, right? I just feel like that would be, or in cool this right. case, the Hell
1: Gates. <laughs> oh
0: my goodness! So uh, we'll we'll try for that. But yeah, Hawkline Monster. Look, at it. I'm I'm a sucker for Western movies. I'm just a huge Western movie person, just like it's one of my favorite uh genres like probably top three if not top two um and i just very excited about this your ghost doing a western fantastic okay moving on a little bit more news from the baroness the royalty herself jamie lee curtis She's going to be stepping behind the camera. She's going to be directing a new horror film for Blumhouse. Yes, Blumhouse recently revamped Halloween. Jimmy Lee Curtis was a big part of it. And she must have had such a fucking great time doing that. She's in business with Blumhouse now. And uh, she is getting her own movie to direct. So I'm – I'm – I, I'm excited. She she has signed a three year first look film and television deal with Blumhouse, and I guess uh, a project called Mother Nature is part of that. So uh, her her horror project, her horror movie is called Mother Nature, and. I, I'm not sure. I guess the only thing that I know about it is that it is centered around climate change, which brings me to fucking M. Night Shyamalan's, Shyamalan's The Happening, happening <laughs> yeah. which I hope is not that. Uh, but what I mean, what do you think? Has, has Jamie Lee Curtis directed anything we know of?
1: Uh, I know she's directed an episode of... Uh, Dream Queens? Yeah, that's it. Okay, okay. So, which I, I I haven't watched that show. So there's a I guess it's Rapunzel. Rapunzel she directed that episode. If you're listening out there and you know what that is. Okay. So what do you think about this, man? Um, I mean, uh, you t- Did you talk to her on the red carpet for at Fantastic Fest when she came in for Halloween? I did. So she she I mean of all the interviews that I've seen her in lately. Um, and and I interviewed her too at Fantastic Fest. Like she knows what she wants. She's very determined. Even the quote that they released to Deadline, which is where this news came from exclusively, she talked about like how her how she's 61 and how her motto now is if not now when and if not me who, and she wants to be able to have this uh, home like Blumhouse, which she already has a great relationship with after doing the two eventually three uh halloween movies um to explore explore some of her own ideas and and so she feels pretty welcomed by uh jason blum so and i i mean i love what uh, jason blum does and the the sort of creative freedom that they he gives his uh filmmakers even if they're under like such restrictions but great within great restrictions great things can happen and um I just think that she's a super smart person and I love the way that she talks and the way that she describes things. And so I feel like she has a good head on her shoulders and I'm just very curious to know what uh, her visual eye will be, um, especially for a movie of this magnitude. And and now that it's, it's, it's been revealed that it's about climate change. I wonder how deep that is. If it's just like, maybe that's like one little detail. Like it's just like the, the the social commentary or the political commentary behind it but it might have some other things on the surface because as as we know and as you just mentioned with the happening we know how wrong that can go and i feel like you need to be uh you need to have restrictions of your own and be able to dial that back because that can become a very preachy movie
0: right right uh i i agree I agree. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis, my goodness. Uh, well, we'll see, I guess. Are, are you are you still a big fan of Blumhouse, or are you kind of, like, itching on your chair on the way back?
1: Uh, no, I'm still a big fan of Blumhouse. I mean, I just kind of know that at, at this point, like, they have their really, really great ones, and then they have uh, ones that are not so good, but they're still... Uh, Like, even if it's, like, middle-of-the-barrel type stuff, like Maw, which I would say is slightly above middle-of-the-barrel. And then I've been really getting into the End of the Dark series, the horror horror movie anthology series that they have with Hulu. And even those, like, you will have a really great one, and then you'll have a couple of dry ones that aren't that good. But at least they have some really interesting ideas out there, and they're giving... um, the keys to a lot of up and coming filmmakers. And so it's just really cool. Like even uh, like, well, for instance, the one that I was just talking about earlier uh, delivered uh, Emma Tammy directed that one. And she was the director of the wind. And when I talked to her, she had like all these really interesting ideas that she brought to it. And it just kind of elevates it above um middle of the road type of stuff and so yeah i'm still a blumhouse fan but i recognize what's quality and what's not quality i don't think they're churning out like uh masterpiece after masterpiece or something a little more on par with a24 but uh they're they're doing well and um uh so so i'm i'm there especially for something like this like i'm just too curious to know uh what a jamie lee curtis directed horror movies. going to look like given her history and uh like w- what sort of quality she's going to be picking up from those that she's worked with like carpenter or hitchcock uh, for, from her mother and things like that so uh yeah i'm just too curious to know like w- how she'll uh build suspense and things like that so uh yeah very very eager to see what that'll be like
0: me, too. Me, too. Uh, there we go. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis will be back to uh, update you on more of her projects directing style. So there you go. I just and I still can't believe she's never made a movie with her husband, Christopher Guest. Just <laughs> boggles my mind.
1: Yeah, she needs to do that. What was that Friday night Friday night at Freddy's or whatever? Five yeah. at Freddy's.
0: That would be good, be good good, good, all right, uh moving on to one of our last bits of news before we get into um our record section uh David Arquette um our our good friend David Arquette, and I hear James Cole Clay just squealing with joy right now. they are relaunching, revamping, remaking re scream and david arquette is returning uh to the property as the uh, lovable kind of idiot cop dewey <laughs> i'm uh, pretty excited about this dewey riley he's been in pretty much i think all
1: of the scream movies right yeah he even took a knife in the back
0: yeah. And so I'm very curious to see what they do with them. Maybe they'll make him like a like a real hard nosed you know, older cop who just has seen it all and done it all and I I don't know what they're going to do with him, but either way, this scream with David Arquette I think could be quite good cuz I I like David Arquette. And uh yeah, what do you what do you think about this, man? Yeah,
1: I'm 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 all for it. Wait, who are, who are the directors doing this?
0: Uh, Oh, so it's Radio Silence, which is awesome, Matt, Bettina Lee Olpin, and Tyler Gillett, which, you know, we love them from... uh, Ready or Not. Yeah, Ready or Not, and I think they were part of some of the VHS movies, um, which were great. Yeah, so I'm very excited about this.
1: Yeah, um, well... Uh, There's been rumblings uh, because like Nev Campbell's doing some press right now and she's been asked about it. And so she's been talking to them about returning and she's been pretty strong about her feelings about going on uh, without Wes Craven around now. Um, But I think she feels that they're going to pay great respect for his towards his work and what he's done and his style. And so, uh, I mean, I, I, I love the screen movies. Um, so I, I, am I'm, I'm definitely for them continuing, like, like what's the worst they could really do it at this, at this point, I guess they could do really bad stuff, but, um, with, with all the talent coming back, if they do all come back and I imagine the people that the characters that are still alive at this moment, they, they will in, in some capacity. And I wonder like how, how they're going to handle this? Or are they going to do it like uh, Force Awakens and things like that? But um, yeah, uh, they, they have a they have a good good vision those directors, and so um, I, I think they'll they'll do just fine.
0: Yeah, and Kevin Williamson is coming back to write it. Who he he wrote the original uh, one, the screenwriter for the original one, and so I is just he, think is he returning uh, to write it or is he executive producing? Um, he. Uh, Oh, okay, so he's returned for the relaunch and is executive producing. Okay, so maybe not completely right, but I'm sure he's going to have a hand in it, though. Yeah, he'll have
1: a little bit of creative control a little bit. So, yeah,
0: there you go. So, Scream, I mean, hmm. <laughs> I, I, it could be a Force Awakens type of thing, like Preston said. Oh, my goodness, I can't imagine just seeing, like, these little uh, little tidbits of people returning, uh, oh my goodness, I mean why not? why not yeah. might might as well bring that back to the forefront because those were fun movies for sure, and uh, that kind of rounds out our bloody bits of news section. We want to move on to our uh, record album section, which of course our main event today is Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, a few years ago, Mondo Tees released a really cool, very limited edition version of Mad Max Fury Road on vinyl uh, by Junkie XL, and it is a two-disc, uh, double-sided uh, album. It's wonderful. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, Junkie XL goodness. Uh, I know there were several different um, covers for this in my collection, my personal one. I have the yellow version um, with, like, the die-cut uh, stuff on it.
1: Uh, so the yellow version. Uh, Preston, which one do you have? You're talking about, like, the, the record itself? Or are you talking about the the design for it? Uh, the design, I think, was also different as well. So I
0: have, uh, so I know I have the yellow, but I, I have uh, as far as the. Um,
1: you talking actual, about the one, the one with Max on the front of it? Uh,
0: yes, I have the one with Max on the front as well, and I think the other one is the red with Immortum Joe. But my actual records, the actual vinyl themselves, are white and gray.
1: Okay. So this one, the one that I have, has both. It has you can have because you mentioned that it has two records inside of it. So each of the the sleeves that that hold that record have the Immortan Joe illustration and then the Mad the Mad Max illustration. And the the records themselves, like the one for Mad Max, when you take it out, it's uh, half red and then half yellow to I guess signify blood and then on in the middle of it this is what makes it cool when you actually spin the record it has a uh, ratchet like a wrench in the middle so it looks like it's the middle of the steering wheel from Mad Max Fury Road so that just goes to show you the attention to detail that they that we always talk about when we bring up uh, Mondo and the other one for Immortan Joe is half gray, kind of like a white, a bit of an off-white, and uh, a blue that almost looks like it's dipped in oil. Um, and then it also has a uh, wrench on it with a, a bit of a chain that wraps around it. So, yeah, it definitely looks awesome when you uh, turn it on and it, it's spinning. kind of gives it more of a uh interactive kind of feel or, or you have something more to look at than just all right i'm gonna put this record on and step away like it's kind of mesmerizing just to look at it and just see the the colors move in the wrench in the middle move as well
0: yes i i completely agree it looks awesome and i have yeah that, that same one with the wrench and everything it looks really cool
1: yeah So there's a lot to talk about with this particular record. This is probably one of my favorite designed uh, records that Mondo has put out thus far, Um, just because there's more going on to it than just like, hey, here's your records, and then there might be, like, a cool illustration, and that's it. Uh, This one, they put a lot of uh, effort into making it feel like it's part of the Mad Max uh, world. Like, uh, interestingly, like, the – I think it was Target. I can't remember exactly where, but I have like several special editions of Mad Max Fury Road. It's probably one of the movies that I own the most have multiple copies of and have quadruple drip, dipped um, one of them comes with a comic and so the the illustrations themselves that come from a boneface and you can look them up on uh, on the internet uh, but I guess that's a bit of a a common name so the the actual website itself is a uh, boneface dot co dot uk and you can look up other types of work that he's done and it has this kind of like lichtenstein kind of look to it um like a comic pic style i'm a bit apprehensive about trying to describe what his work is like because there's a video in his about section where he's wearing a mask and holding a bat with nails in it so i feel i feel like if i get this wrong he might hunt me down and kill me so i'm going to be very careful but it looks really awesome um the, the also in the in the record is a little leaflet that talks about like, uh, you know, like who's all involved in it. But it also has a piece of the illustration to, for uh, the Mondo poster that released a couple years ago, uh, sold out now. And I should also mention that this record that I'm talking about is also sold out. So, again, most of the times when we're talking about Mondo Records, um, if they don't produce a lot of them, like this one is a limited edition one that they brought back after five years um, for its fifth anniversary, they, they're they're gone. Before we even talk about them, they're gone. And so you have to just like sign up for their news blast and be just ready with your credit card to pay, or they're, they're gone quick. Um, but what you could take away from it from this is hey it may come five years later or it may come back in stock they're all they're always mondo's all always repressing new things um so just be on a lookout for when great opportunities like this uh happen because you can get some really cool stuff but um as i was uh talking about earlier like if you take these uh, slips out and you just look at just the the outside casing like the main case that or package that holds it um it has like an orange background inside so it, it's made to look like the symbol of where wh- when they're pressing that iron on people uh has that symbol on it and so like just like taking it apart piece by piece it's just like really cool in like it, it almost feels like you're you're reading a. Uh, like a coffee table book because there's just like so much going on here and so much incredible detail. But what makes Boneface's illustrations so great is that it's not just like hey, there's he he captures like every little wrinkle and every sort of disturbance on people's faces. Like especially like Immortan Joe, who's just as ugly inside as he is outside with his Darth Vader type of sound and look and has these like vulture teeth i don't know however you want to describe it um and he just kind of captures that with like such incredible uh detail with uh capturing like every little thing on his face it's that's just that's just what makes it really disturbing and it fits in captures that world of of mad max fury road very well um what else is there to describe? Uh, also on the back of each of these little, uh, Brian, how, how do you like exactly describe, I don't want because I'm not, I just recently within the past couple of years, I've always owned vinyl, but you're the vinyl enthusiast, like the actual sleeves that hold each uh, record. What is it just a sleeve? Yeah, just a record sleeve. That's what it's called. Okay. So on the back of each of these sleeves is like more uh, art to look at. Um, on, on the one for Immortan Joe, it shows, uh, uh, what's his name? Doof Warrior, uh, playing his flamethrower guitar.
0: Yeah. It's a great, um, great artwork
1: right there for sure. Yeah. Um, so there's about 17 tracks on it and I guess to describe, we could both talk a little bit about the score itself, but, um, it's it's cool like how the score evolves as the movie goes on like cuz it'll have like these moments where Junkie XL's stuff uh, or um what's his real name Tom uh Tom uh Holkenborg uh he like it has like these sound effects like spliced into the the score itself where it sounds like the trucks like uh one of the things that you remember, or at least I re- remember most vividly about Mad Max, is the sound of the horn when uh, Furiosa pulls it when s- people are approaching or uh, strangers are approaching. And I that kind of like works its way into it, like the car sounds and things like that. There's just like s- different instruments that feel like they're very much a part of the Mad Max Fury Road wor- world. Um, and then in addition... Like there's quieter moments to the movie that have like this classical score kind of feel to it, and f- for those who like really like this movie, there's a a black and chrome edition that released uh, not too long ago, and that's uh, director George Miller's like preferred version, and his movie because it goes into that black and white kind of feel like that the classical music. Just very much feels like it's a part of that world as much as the the heavy metal aggressive kind of sound, too. So it has a nice mixture of both of those elements together. Um, And probably my favorite one is the very last track of the movie that's uh, Let Them Up which is, you know, when everybody gets to, back to the Citadel and then they, the, the war boys and whoever's working the cranks to elevate them up to the Citadel, um, it's playing that and it just kind of captures that that sense of accomplishment. Um, but it also has a bit of like a, a drum to it and a, a beautiful sound as well. So there's just, there's, there's really, I'm, there's a lot going on with the score. Uh, I mean, I played it for my wife <laughs> as we're cooking and it may not be like the best score to do that sort of thing. Um, but it definitely like amps you up. Maybe it's great workout music. And then when you want to do some, uh, ab workouts, you can go to the more quieter classical moments. Uh, but when it gets to like the Hans Zimmer aggressive string sounds, um, that sound like the dark night, then that's when you can pump some iron
0: right no it's uh it's super It's it, it sounds great and yeah it, it's not like you wouldn't want to put it over a candlelight dinner unless you're you're into a few things
1: <laughs> if you're a morton joe yourself
0: yes but it, it's a definitely a cool soundtrack and like we were mentioning earlier i think press and i have uh two different versions of this i have the white and silver uh albums uh that the actual vinyl is colored that way and there is also a version that is um aqua cola version i think that's the one you have uh correct yeah yes so um they're they're both i think yours is limited to 500 copies uh which is quite awesome uh and i think mine was limited to uh I can't tell right now, but I think yours was you. You're one of 500
1: that have your your version of it, which is pretty cool. Thank you, Mondo. I don't they, have they, to go to eBay and all that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh, yeah, there you go. It is a it is pretty cool. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, if, I, if you can find this, uh, eBay or discogs. Uh, those are probably your best bets in getting these. For, you'll probably be spending between 50 and 75 bucks for the, uh, for the set or for the record. And it's well yeah, worth
1: but, it, too. Yeah, the, you have to really take care of it, too, because it has this die-cut slip cover that you have to be very careful if you're storing it, because you could easily fold one of its edges. Um, so uh, handle with care.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh and uh yes, Junkie XL, what a fantastic score. Mondo tease, you outdid yourselves uh with this release for sure. Um I'm and you know, they they've released this a few times. They have like the actual artwork of the movie on like yellow uh vinyl or yellow and blue vinyl, I think, but this is the one to get. This has all the really cool artwork on it and the
1: liner notes and the little poster that comes with it, uh, it it's it's the way to go yeah i agree so yeah you can get that on or well you can't get it but you can look at their other stuff on Mondoshop.com or through mondotees.com correct
0: correct So there you go. There you go. Mad Max Fury Road Mondo. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to our next segment, Bloody Question Time. We haven't done a Bloody Question so long, Preston. I'm so happy to be doing this with you.
1: Yes, me too, especially this one. I feel like it can get really funny.
0: Yes, yes, it will. So our bloody question, if you forgot, we ask a question uh, related to our feature presentation in a fun way. We answer it. We bring it to Reddit uh, where our glorious readers and listeners will sometimes reply. And it was a fun one this week. Of course it was. So the question was, if you lived in a Mad Max type of dystopian world, apocalypse, what would be your essential job? So let's say you lived in Mad Max Fury Road, uh, the universe there. What would your essential job be to the community, and would you have a special name for yourself?
1: (laughs) Preston. Um. So first, before I reveal mine, I want to say what my wife's was, because I asked her. And uh, so she said that she would be part of the people, the women who were supplying mother's milk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So
0: you see that visual in the movie and then relate that to The Last Jedi when (laughs) (laughs) Skywalker is getting titty milk. (laughs) From that creature and drinking it while never breaking eye contact with Ray, it is wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's too funny, too funny, Preston, and, and too funny. I'm glad your wife was. Uh, she she she's supplying a, a necessity, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I drink that. Um, my. <laughs> my my pick uh i was the first thing that crossed my mind just because one of my favorite skits in the past couple years on snl was when kylo ren uh did uh matt radar technician where he's um kylo ren dressing up as a regular guy working on the ship to get some information from the inside just to see how people are talking about him and things like that and so that's pretty much what i want to do the first i mean the first thing that i wouldn't want to do is be a war boy, but I guess if I'm uh, playing these different roles, uh, except I would like to do something a little more quieter, perhaps uh, being one of the instructors, helping the boys uh, crank down the platform that comes up and down to the Citadel. But um, I, I would like to role play a little bit and just like have a normal name, just like Matt Radar Technician, and uh, just get collect information from all these different groups because I could have fun sitting with that guy from the Insidious movies who's uh, carving out babies and stomachs and doing tattoos and cutting hair and all sorts of things. So i just have fun uh, getting really weird with a bunch of different people. I like that. I like that. And your, your name would be Preston what? Radar Man? Well... <laughs> I get, I wouldn't use Preston. I don't know how menacing that sounds, but maybe something that's maybe not even something that's menacing but sounds like really just so under the radar. Uh like Henry or Hank or something. That just I like just, it. That just does not sound like Furiosa or Mad Max or Immortan Joe or Nux. Just <laughs> Hank. Just just Hank. Hank, I like it.
0: All right. Uh, I answered that question. I would be a gardener by day and a porn star by night, because I think those are both essential. And my name would be Hans Steinhans, because I work well with my hands.
1: (laughs) I know know this firsthand.
0: (laughs) Aha. (laughs) No, I think I'd be a gardener, because I think I can grow, you know, drugs or... Fruits and vegetables, or whatever, pretty well, because I've done a little bit of gardening in my day, and that just seems like a fun outside job. And then, uh, you know, give uh, whoever uh, needs attention at night for a little fee or barter system. I like that. I like it. I like it. Do you like that, Preston? Would you hire me for day and nighttime activities? Yeah.
1: That depends. Do you have all your limbs and all your teeth? Do you have tumors growing on you? Uh, I would say no. Pure. Then, uh, you're you're perfect in every way.
0: Perfect. (laughs) I have a baby brother. (laughs) Wonderful. All right. Shall we go to Reddit and read some of the, uh, some of the answers replies we got? Yes, please. Okay. So. Astro Lupo said, I'll try and set up a factory of silver colored spray. Seems like a good deal to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Which I guess in the Mad Max Fury Road world that is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see how they collect that. <laughs> that would be good. Um, uh, like they're they're like right in their heroic moment and they're like, Oh fuck, I'm out of spray.
0: You can't witness me! (laughs) I can't go to Valhalla, Shiny and Chrome. All right. Uh, The person with the fantastic net handle Hasselhoff Pancakes said, my job would be trying not to get killed and they would call me the Dodger. (laughs) I like that. Bogus Nightmare said, I'd be a really pretty scantily clad wayfish model slave wife. (laughs) (laughs) Which I like. Uh, Brybase said, I make things out of leather and I assume my skills are transferable to human skin. They call me the Rimworlder. Wow. <laughs> uh, sick Psycho said, I'd be the baby giver to the women that test clean, but I get to pick which ones I give my seeds to. Thank you, Brainsick Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bro Leoko said, I'd wonder if I could get away with being a scribe of some sort or storyteller. I'm sure some warlords would want to become a legend, so maybe I could get in good with them enough to stay alive having no real Mad Max level survival skills as I am now. Hmm. Um, Ari Bors had the best answer. He would be Mad Max and me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's pretty wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Can we please get a spin off of Mad Mac and Me?
1: <laughs> With oh, Mystery my Science Theater commentary?
0: Oh, my goodness. Like, I just want to see the little crippled kid driving, like, <laughs> in the desert at full speed. Oh, my goodness. And so,
1: it has to star Conan as Doof Warrior and yes. uh, uh, Paul Rudd.
0: So I like that. There are a few other answers, but we will save those. Uh, go to uh, our web page on Boomstick Comics and go to this podcast, and there will be a link to the Reddit post or you can see everybody's answers. But, uh, yeah, those were some really good ones. I saved the best for last, I feel like. <laughs> Mad Mac and me. So pretty good, pretty good, right? Yeah, I like them. Bloody question. All right, on to bloody tunes in relation to Mad Max Fury Road. So Preston uh, had this brainchild idea, uh, fantastic, where we're going to pick a couple songs in relation to the main event, Mad Max Fury Road. What songs remind us of Mad Max Fury Road? And Preston, you can't say Tina
1: Turner. Mm, damn. All right, how about... You take a mortal man and you put him in control. Watch him become a god. Watch people's heads a-roll. A-roll. A-roll! How about that? Hey, now, look at you. I mean, I was just ready for you to do the whole thing. So that's my pick. Figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Just sing it again, slower
0: this time.
1: (laughs) Just like the Pied Piper led rats through the streets. We dance like marionettes, swaying to the symphony of destruction. By Megadeth. Hell yes. That's a that's that's
0: greatness. I love it, Preston. I love it. Um. Uh, so so, what makes you think about it? Why why, why why pick that one?
1: Well, the lyrics themselves, and also how the song evolves. Like it just doesn't feel like it's one monotonous song like it just continually feels like it's just bending and moving like parts of a of a machine and there's i mean there's a lot to be said about the lyrics themselves which uh maybe not completely 100 percent add up but the, i guess the fact that it just deals with uh, you know a puppeteer and uh Being controlled, swayed by the political system in some way, and so there's a little bit of that going on in Mad Max. Well, I guess a lot of it, but uh, so it just it just felt true to me. Like even the sounds themselves, like with the metal music and how the song itself has a little bit of the quieter moments too. So it just feels like it's perfectly placed for it.
0: Well, yeah, the, the Symphony of Destruction that really was like a major part of Immortum Jones Posse. They had like a whole like section for just. Uh,
1: drums and guitars and everything to keep the music going. <laughs> yeah. Um it, it's I mean it's no God Smack Voodoo or something like that, but it it, it does its job. There you go. I like it. I like it.
0: Uh, mine I went I went uh I don't know if it's all too on the nose, but I, I went uh white zombie Thunder Kiss sixty five. Ooh So I I mean I I like Rob Zombie. I like White Zombie, you know, before Rob Zombie went solo. Um White Zombie, yeah, I mean this the the it's all about going faster and uh you know, driving a car and it is just it's, it's badass. Um a blast of silence explodes in my head. Uh, pig sweat a million miles I've got a heart atomic style and it's just uh it's good stuff Uh, I I think it just has that kind of feel like you would want to listen to this while you're riding in the desert with a Mortem Joe's crew and just just kicking ass basically I think what about you buddy yeah I think that perfectly fits in I love that song I do too. I I am a I'm a big zombie fan, as I think we both are. So, uh yeah, um Thunder Kiss uh 65 good stuff. Those are our Bloody Tunes. If you have a Bloody Tune you would like to tell us, please do email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com and uh, we, will, we will love you for it. So, moving on to Bloody Recommendations, where we recommend a movie, a TV show, vintage, or new. We just want to tell you about it. It doesn't necessarily have to relate to the main feature presentation, uh, but, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. That's Uh, That's our bloody recommendation So I guess uh, Preston, take it away
1: Good saw Sure. So a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about picking up the podcast again, because it had been a while. So the reason for that is, is I, I've had a job, a new job. And so I just want to kind of get used to uh, the flow of that. But now that I got that down, I feel pretty confident in picking this back up, which I, I'm glad we're here. I'm very happy. Um, but one of the movies or TV shows rather that I wanted to uh, cover on the podcast, but I wanted to bring it up now. Came out in April on Shudder, and that is Cursed Films. Brian, have you heard of it? Cursed Films? Yeah, Cursed Films on Shudder. It's a TV series. No, what is okay. this? Okay, great. Um, so there, it's five episode series. Each one's about an hour long or 45 minutes. And uh, each, each episode, they talk about a, a, a film that has been cursed. Uh, in, in in the time capsule. Uh, so naturally the first one that they discussed was The Exorcist because that movie is pretty notorious for being uh, all sorts of scary happenings happening on set and um, especially when movies or TV shows, mostly movies here, um, have biblical or satanic, demonic uh, aspects to it um shit goes wrong and so Exorcist just for how closely it involves uh demons and and Satan and things like that um some nasty stuff happened um, but not just just this the content itself but even like the conditions of filming the way that William Friedkin uh, pushed his actors uh, for instance uh, there's Linda Blair in her back, and then there's the actress that plays her mom and how uh, there's the scene where all the furniture's moving around in the house. And uh, she gets pulled against the wall. And so she was told that she was in this uh, safe environment, but she hit her head. And so that's just like how a lot of things happened back then where there weren't as many uh, precautions and uh, safety measures in place to keep a better handle on things from happening, things like this from happening. Um, So... Uh, I'll discuss like some of the good the good things about it and the bad things, but most of the bad comes from the first two episodes, and that's Exorcist. And the next episode is Poltergeist, and so I've read up and watched quite a few things on the Poltergeist curse. Um, and they go through mostly uh, well, they talk about the first, the second, and the third film in the in the franchise, but uh, mostly the third one because they involve the director from the the third movie to talk about it. Um, since, you know, Toby Hooper is not with us. Um, and I, I, wouldn't imagine that Spielberg would take the time to talk about this either. So, uh, there's not a lot of like major talent that they bring on board, but I mean, the fact that they got Linda Blair to come on was really nice, even though there was a couple areas that she would not talk about, um, such as like having bodyguards and things like that. Um, and the exact details of, what happened to her on set and the conditions just because, um, a lot of these actors that they might feel that they owe a lot, even though they suffered a great deal, they owe a lot to, uh, the, the the movie itself because it, it, I mean, it made their careers. Um, but the other three, it was the third episode on that it, this particular series like really uh, sucked me in. And that's when they, the third episode, they talk about The Omen, the original, 1976, The Omen. And then they do The Crow. And then they do The Twilight Zone, but specifically focusing on uh, John Landis' and John Landis's, uh, contributions to the film. Um, so, so it's kind of
0: like I feel like it's uh, on Vice They have a series called The Dark Side of the Ring Where they uh, Do a documentary about um, All like the nasty Stuff like deaths Murders and craziness That happened within the wrestling world So it seems like that But for like movies Like you know all the deaths from poltergeists And stuff that
1: happened on the set So this sounds like right up my alley Yeah Um yeah i i I would i was just really into it i I just wanted to know like what were the exact details i mean i was most familiar with uh the crow and everything that happened on there which is like one specific thing the the death of brandon lee um but they do more than just have talking heads there talking about the specifics or just remembering uh like what it was like being in the onset and uh the conditions um they have people who like for instance in the crow one uh show like the process of like what happened on set with the gun and the the bullets and how it it happened and like they didn't get the actor who was holding the gun when he shot it but it was just like sad um especially for how much talent brandon lee had and like where he could have gone from there um but uh, with the omen, and this is where it picked up, um, they started describing like all these details that I was not familiar with at all. Like there was uh, people that were dying um, through throughout the, the making of the film, uh, not just like on set, but just uh, like on their way. Um, I can't remember just because my mo- my. Gym- my jaw was dropped the entire time that it's like some of those details because there's just like one after the other kind of escaped me. And I want to go back and watch it again. Um, But like, I remember there was a pilot um, whose family was killed, um, leaving the runway, like the plane crashed and then killed the family. And then on top of that, uh, somebody else's somebody else passed away in such a way. That's very, uh that mirrors the moment in the film where the guy is decapitated um and they were just able to press on and put put out this art um but the reason why the the first two episodes didn't click with me as well is they do some dumb shit where they bring like an actual exorcist um guy on there and he starts describing uh, the process and even does like an exorcism and it just feels like the way that it's shot it just is, It feels like a phony moment that you would find on like some paranormal A&E show or something it just didn't feel authentic to me but from episode 3 on um, it felt most genuine and so Brian I want to talk about the fifth one with Max, uh, John Landis because I know that you're a big fan and you know Uh, the details of what happened there but that i knew about what happened i had read it but just the process of them going through the emotions and even showing the footage broke my heart oh no it's crazy like so i mean i i
0: studied that i know like what happened i mean and it's a Nobody could have prevented that. Like, it is just an accident. And however, you know, when you look at John Landis using the two kids after hours when he's not supposed to and trying to get the shot and like having uh, all these crazy um, like actual effects, actual kind of helicopter and the water, like it's just like standards wise like to this to today like it would never fly like you could never do this with actual kids you could never do this so you know in that aspect you know like it's one of the reasons you know spielberg kind of had to kind of distance himself away from landis uh because i mean landis was brought to court steven spielberg was brought to court you know it was a it's a whole thing and it's just because there is footage of this, and you see it happen, and you just see it's just like a freak accident of wires and the blades, and it just goes straight down. And Vic Morrow just like tries to, you know, cover the heads of these two little kids, and it's just, ooh, my goodness. And like, you know, <laughs> it, it, is, it is super awful to watch, and, you know, I'm sure there's not a day that goes by that Landis doesn't think about it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it just, I mean, not just like the thoughts that may be going through Landis's mind, because he, I mean, he has a lot on his plate uh, for, for everything, even stuff that's happening with his son. Um, but the sun. But that the guy that was in charge of like special effects and set design, or I guess set design more so, um, like he felt that, you know, he set up this entire village and then he wanted uh, people to abide by these like certain rules and he, he felt that they were breached and it just ruined that guy's career. And the the amount of emotions that like come out of this guy when he's telling it, it just, it really crushed me. Like even down to uh, the first m- moments that he remembers after the accident happened, when everybody's just like in shock and what's going on. He just uh, looked over at the parents of these children who were like leaning against a tree and then they're like what happened and then he has to try to distance them from like what's going on and it's just i it's like a heavy note to leave you on i can't believe that the cursed films like uh left on that particular one and i'm sure they'll be back for more but um it it, it just goes to show you that there's just a lot that can happen on set and there's a lot of people working and there's a lot of t's that you have to cross and i's that you need to dot and uh it's it, it's heartbreaking uh when stuff like this happens but um really fascinating series um not not uh 100 there there are some like areas where it's weak but um just i i'm sure if they had like even a lot more money in their budget they they could have done a lot more with it and got more talent but for what it is uh the fact the the facts that are there are really interesting so i think it's worth recommending this uh, docu series if you have shutter and um, i'm sure you can get some sort of deal if you don't have shutter um i think they do like a week or a month or something like right now they were for a little bit doing a shut-in where you can get the first month free. So I think that's still available. So look into that. Um, I think it's worth checking out. And plus you have a great library to A lot of great horror movies.
0: There you go. And I, I think Vic Morrow was the dad of. Um, oh, what's her name? The actress who was in. the um, uh, uh, Hateful Eight. Oh. Uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Yes. I believe that's her dad. Am I correct on that? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm looking that up real quickly um, just because I think that is correct. Um, y- yes, her children. Uh, yeah, yeah, his children. Yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee. Correct. Cool. Correct. And yeah, Vic Morrow was a, a great actor, but he, he was one of the guys that died. He was the you know, star of that first segment in Twilight Zone. Yeah.
1: Did they do a poltergeist one? They did one, right? Yeah, they did. They did the all one, two, and three bottled up together, but cool. mostly kind of concentrate on the last one since that's when the little girl died.
0: Yeah, but like the, the older sister died or was murdered too. Um, yep. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I, that's a it, fascinating series. Um, and I like stuff like that because there's a dark side, I think, to everything. And I think movies, there's part of that too. Um, and like to go hand in hand with that, the dark side of the ring on Vice uh, about the dark stories of the pro wrestling world is fantastic. It's done really well um, with, uh, you know, slight, uh, you know, archive footage of what's happened and interviews and uh, it's done really well. So I, I definitely recommend that. Definitely, definitely. So, all right, good, good stuff, man. I like that recommendation. Yeah, you should check it out. I will. Um, so I have I have two recommendations real quickly. Uh, one is J.J. J. Villard's um, uh, Fairy Tales. J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales on Adult Swim. It is a new animated show, uh, which is really funny. That takes kind of Grimm's fairy tales and Disney stories and basically puts a very sadistic kind of Rick and Morty-esque Punk rock animation horrorness to it, and just tons of horror movie icons are doing voices for this, such as Linda Blair once again, and uh, Robert England and um, some of the people from Stranger Things, and they're just—it's it's really gross and funny and dark and uh, super silly. Highly recommend that on Adult Swim. J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales. For the Sick and Twisted, uh, my other recommendation goes in line with Mad Max, and it is a Scream Factory release uh, as of uh, a few years ago, and it is uh, Exterminators of the Year 3000, I think press has seen <laughs> this. Uh, yep. So, basically, it's kind of like... so. It's movies like Exterminators of the Year 3000 that make watching films at midnight with your friends worthwhile. Uh, you can, like, laugh and bask in the cheese and laughter and alcohol uh, at all of these uh, cheap stunts and bad acting. Uh, and it kind of... so. Exterminators of the Year three thousand is an Italian film that is basically the same exact movie as The Road Warrior. <laughs> and it's kind of like uh this Italian director watched Mad Max Two and it like just blew his mind and he then called his friend and like tried to draw him a picture of like what he saw. It was like, We've gotta make this. And he probably collected like a hundred dollars to make Exterminators of the Year three thousand and it is just it's a lot of fun and just basically the same story, uh, and it's ridiculous and fun and great and stupid and everything that I like in you know cheap bads that it's so good horror movie or movies like this. Uh, I, I I enjoy this on a lot of levels uh, just so it's like one of my uh, not a guilty pleasure but just like one of my fortes and areas
1: that i love movies like this what do you think preston yeah uh i remember a couple of years ago uh when i hadn't i didn't know anything about it but, but when screen factory put it out i uh i just naturally had to read some more information about it just because i like that kind of stuff i like stupid stuff um, and taking chances on a lot of uh movies that uh Scream Factory or Vinegar Syndrome put out and uh I remember one comment of somebody describing it as Mad Max meets Casa de Mi Padre and <laughs> it's so perfect. <sighs> yeah no it's 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 so
0: ridiculous and but it's a, it's a lot of fun. And I mean, the acting is atrocious. Although it's re- it's just highly entertaining. I mean, that's what it what it is. Um, and it, it's it has a, a blonde chick, a young little boy in it, and then uh, a car and a the main guy. Um, it's just <laughs> that's a
1: description. It's,
0: that's really what it is. It's it's, it's a. Um, I'm trying to think of like uh, it's the this. Mad Max character, along with this kid and this chick, they try to find water while destroying a vicious gang led by a dude named Crazy Bull. (laughs) So that, I mean, that's all you really need to know about
1: it. (laughs) Well, I I guess Mad Max Fury Road is just about Furiosa and Max going from point A to point B and then back to point A (laughs) and a lot of people die along the way.
0: Yeah. and, and, And for, for water, (laughs) <laughs> so it's basically
1: the same movie T- titty milk for gas
0: Yes, titty Milk for Gas. It is it is a quite a fun thing to watch. And the, the costumes in Exterminators of the Year 3000, I mean, the little kid just wears, like, a green cardigan um, through the whole movie and a satchel, and the others wear, like, crazy leather coats. It doesn't make sense. So um, I love this movie. Exterminators of the Year 3000, you can get it on Scream Factory, Shout Factory, for less than $15. I highly recommend it because it comes with great audio commentaries and interviews and just it's worth it yeah worth it worth it so uh that's our recommendations now on to the main event uh, Mad Max Fury Road Debuting in the US May 15th, 2015 Basically five years almost to the day As we are right here I remember Preston and I seeing this I remember just like everybody was super excited I remember um, going to the theater And thinking like this is going to be The fucking best movie ever made Because of all the trailers And then Oddly enough, the uh, expectations were even better. Like the what, what the results were even better than our expectations, I should say. Um, it just it was it was the best movie of the year, and it is still one of the best films of the decade. And yes, that was. Um, I mean, that's what I thought right after I saw it in the theater. What did you think after seeing it in the theater?
1: Uh, I mean, I. Th- I didn't want to be too quick to say that it was the greatest action movie I've ever seen, um, so I imagine that our overall review of this is going to be extremely short because I don't have any gripes. Um, and I revisit it quite often. I probably watch it two or three times a year, and I watched it again a few days ago, and it's still as magnificent then as it uh, now as it was then. And um, yeah, I I just love it so. Um it yeah, it is one of the best edited movies ever too.
0: Right, no, for sure. No, I mean is is this movie still good five years later? Yes, no, completely. It's like it's almost like watching it for the first time, even though you know what's coming. It's still perfect to see everything. And most movies don't get it right, and this movie got it right. And so, you know, this, I mean, Preston just described the plot, basically, point A, point B, point A, water, chicks with one hand, you know, it's – and he got a baby brother. Um, it's good stuff. And I think, you know, coming on five years with this movie, you know, it took it took, you know, months and months and months and months for this movie to be made because George Miller, you know, came back from his original Mad Max movie to do this. And, you know, he was not going to bow down Cowtown uh, to anybody, any studio exec, he was going to film it his way or the highway. And that's why it took so long to make. And, he basically did the whole movie practically. Like, all the stunts you see in the movie, everything was realistic. You know, there is a little CG in, like, a sandstorm or, like, placing a rock here. But, like, when, like, a big 18-wheeler is doing a jump, that is actually doing a jump. You know, they might have added, like, a background for it, but that's actually happening. The people who are traveling 90 miles an hour, swinging on poles, that's actually happening. You know, it's just the amount of sand safety and choreography and everything in this movie is like top notch gold a standard and it shows and it makes the film better uh i think uh would you agree
1: yeah 100 percent. like there's always something to look at with this uh and that's why i need to bring up the editing again is that you never there's a lot going on like even when you think something's about to let up, it just continue it just just keeps going. Uh like a, a good moment would be uh when Max uh, is looking at Furiosa and then all of a sudden he falls off um the truck and then she grabs him by by his leg as he's falling out the door and then there's uh the crazy fat guy with the nipple ring that's about to run into him <laughs> and then Furiosa gets stabbed by her uh, gear shift knife thing by some masked lunatic, and then there's just there's just something going on at all times, and even the way that the camera pushes in on moments. Like, uh, if it was, hell, uh, Michael Bay, you'd be shooting, like, these individual moments, like a, a gear shift or a foot being pushing on the accelerator and you would be like, Oh, who, who, who is that? I don't know who that is. And then there's just like the, the amount of technical wizardry that's going on here. uh, It, it just, I I can't even fathom it. Like I can't process like what, how, how they were able to accomplish these things, like what the drawing board must've looked like. uh, I don't know, like uh, that, that poor editor,
0: so so the the editor so it won best editing at the Oscars yeah. and the the editor was Margaret Sixel who only done like less than 10 films in her career so far and she started with Babe Pig in the City and then went to Happy Feet and you know you, those are both you know George Miller movies and then after doing Happy Feet and Babe Pig in the City mm-hmm uh George's like hey you want to do Mad Max Fury Road and if you look at those movies you're like holy shit this is a huge huge leap and then th- there you go that is uh that she did it and she won basically every single award in every um every Award ceremony of that year, like the AACTAs, the Academy Awards, the BAFTAs, the ACE, all the Critics Awards. Um, She won Best Editing for Mad Max Fury Road. And as Preston said, you know, that well
1: deserved. Yeah. And she hasn't
0: done anything since. No, she has not. No, she has not. I mean, I guarantee you, George Miller has been talking for quite some time now about doing the sequel to this, and I bet you um, she will come back for it. Yeah, I'm sure. So, but uh, it's it's pretty crazy. So, uh, I mean, everybody knows about this movie. I mean, we know scene highlights. We know the plot and everything. So... 5 years down the road. Talk to me, Preston. Is there any social or political commentary people have drawn from this movie?
1: Um well, I yeah, I guess there's a lot. There's there's uh feminist themes in it. Um there's a lot to be said about uh unmasking evil and glorifying violence. Uh mainly just like un, unmasking evil, like uh, uh there's a lot of uh, I want to be that person that says there's a lot of parallels today, um, but yeah, there. I don't, I don't know. Like there's there's uh, there's a lot to be said about Immortan Joe and how he operates and how he controls uh, everybody and how they just believe him no matter what, creating this kind of cult-like uh, religion for everybody to worship certain things and forget about other things like water um and sex slavery and uh i don't know there's i mean we could pick a lot of things apart i don't know where do you where would you like to begin
0: well i think you know if we could start it with the feminism thing you know creating the like the matriarch type of society where you know maybe you and i would agree that if we lived under something sort of something like that things might or probably be better and i think you know having this movie, you know, with under like Mortimer Joe's rule and basically women being just like a second fiddle to anything, not even a real citizen, uh, it shows a lot for like how the things are run. Everything is dried up. There's no life really anywhere. And, you know, the women of this film are all about giving life and, you know, caring for one another, helping. And, all of that cool stuff. And I think, you know, with Furiosa's character, she does like anything like a dude would do. Like she has lost an arm. She can handle weapons. She drives a gigantic 18 wheeler of water and oil. And you think of these jobs and stuff like that. And you, you know, your brain goes to like a man and not a woman. And I think Charlize Theron played that perfectly uh and i think there's a lot of aspects of that there and i don't know i mean maybe you can elaborate more on that
1: yeah um i mean there's the whole thing about we are not things in the movie and then uh as you eloquently described about uh furiosa like that any other director probably would have made this and made her a symbol of beauty and Charlize Theron's a very beautiful actress, but in here she's covered in oil on her face, missing her limb, and uh, driving this big truck. And then there's the the war boys themselves, who are uh, like a symbol of aggressive masculinity, um, how they're how they must die for the cause, and Immortan Joe, who has, like I mentioned earlier, like this very ugly uh, appearance underneath because they're all covered in you know sunspots and uh tumors and just because of the way that life is lived there that it's just completely come apart and um uh i don't know what more to be said about that but right (laughs) i'm at a loss (laughs) no no But, but there's a lot there's a lot there
0: yeah, there is, and I think other themes that are explored in there, um, of course, like revenge aspect of Furiosa and Mad Max, you know, being captured and being told what to do. But also, you know, I think there's some sort of redemption aspect uh, theme with Mad Max solely because, you know, throughout the film, at least at the beginning of it, there's quick flashbacks to a young kid with Mad Max, and it looks like. Um, This little kid perished and died and Mad Max might have been responsible or something like this for this kid. So I think he's trying to redeem himself in some sort of
1: way. Is that what you got out of that? Yeah, um, I mean, at that point, like he, like he's a loner, like he wants to just kind of be by himself. But I think just because of the the circumstances, like he just develops an alliance with Furiosa. But yet, you know, they they found how much uh, respect that they have for each other because they're both like kind of they they re- represent different things, but they're. they're cut from the same cloth like she wants to save these women who are just being used for a singular thing and she has a past knowing like the beauty of the world um so i guess that that might be something that is explored in the furiosa movie that's supposedly come in from george miller um but yeah there's there's undeniably something that uh max is wrestling with Uh, Maybe it was his own kid uh, dying and he feels responsible for that. And so uh, he probably just kind of developed that goal along the way that this is, oh, I can find peace within myself by uh, doing something for the greater good and knowing that he can do that and and he can go back to being his loner self uh, now that it's found peace. And so he can just live a more fulfilled life.
0: Yes, I agree. And I think another great theme throughout, and as well as probably a few other George Miller movies, um, like the uh, theme of like family, family and just finding a home to raise a family. And I know Preston, you know, you're, you're raising a family and a home now. And I think with Fury Road, I think the goal is like to find a new home and like the caveat to that is like they already at their home they just don't know it yet kind of thing Right. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said with that because you know it seems like Mad Max doesn't have a home and even at the end of the movie he still doesn't want to stay there kind of thing and we don't really know why yet but uh I, what, what do you think about that take
1: Uh no I agree with it 100% what, what are my feelings about like him just not staying is that what you're asking
0: right like a oh, feeling of like why he wouldn't want to stay at the home or was he just trying to help and redeem himself and go off elsewhere or do you think you know most of uh Fury Road was basically just trying to not necessarily kill Immortem Joe but finding a place to have a you know a better society uh
1: to raise a family and st- something like that I don't know I th- uh, I would guess that he just feels content now that he's made a better world for others to, to live in because he didn't have that opportunity. Like he maybe let his guard down at a moment and then takes all the responsibility of what happened. And that just weighs down his mind. And so he, like I mentioned earlier, like he could just feel at peace with that. And so maybe it's like a Thanos kind of thing. Like, Oh, I've already snapped my fingers and, uh, I'm just going to go live my life. Like I've done everything that I need to do here. Like I don't need to intervene and maybe poison the water, potentially poison the water again, um, by being with Furiosa. If they were to continue being, be together, like there's a hint of a, a, some sexual tension or like a romantic, uh, element to their dynamic, but um, I, I I just imagine that he probably just wants this is what they're working for. They deserve to own that themselves, and so I'm not going to be there because I don't want to intervene. If um, because if he if he has a moment of weakness of of the the girl or the child dying, like he just doesn't want to uh, open up another door of possibility for himself. Um, So it's probably just be best to be a loner. Right. No, I I, I agree.
0: I agree. Um, Do you have a favorite moment or a favorite sequence from this
1: movie? Um, I like, I mean, It's kind of like when what movie were we describing? Where we like, it's. I mean, the whole movie just seems like one really long scene, and it's just hard to like break down like one moment. But uh, I mean, I love it when a Morton Joe gets his uh, jaw ripped off. I like, I like uh, when Nux uh, says. uh, he wants, he wants to be responsible, be like that great war boy, um, to deliver for Immortan Joe saying like, I'm gonna, I'll pike her in the spine for, uh, for you and keep her breathing. And he's like, no, put a bullet in her skull and bring my treasures back to me. Yet he failed that. And so it, it was a mo- moment of realization for him knowing that this is complete utter bullshit. Um, and so, and he just comes to believe what uh, Furiosa and the rest of them believe. And so, I just kind of like that 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 character uh, evolution.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes too. That that one you just described with Nux. I, I like. He was such a great character in that film. Yeah. Uh, I real I really enjoyed that, and I like seeing like you know his first like he wants to be that he wants to be like the second in command to Mortem Joe. And I just, I just love that. Um, I also love the scene where, you know, Furios is riding and nobody is the wiser to what her plan is. And like the guy you know, hanging off like her driver's side window is still like, Oh, where are we going? Where, where are we going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just love that whole sequence. Cause you're just like, Oh my goodness, this is great. He's in for a ride. So I, I love it. All right. Uh, just, just good stuff all around, and of course, you know, like the funny parts, like I have a baby brother, he was perfect in every way. Um, it's just, it's good stuff. Uh, I, I like it a lot. Um, so, is. So you mentioned earlier. So there's a there's a 3D version of this movie. There's the theatrical cut, and then there's the black and or the chrome edition, black and chrome edition. We the 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 black and white version of the movie. Um, I mean, I like the black and white version of the movie, but the movie is so beautiful on its own with that you know orange and blue mm-hmm. throughout. I mean, especially a storm. Yeah, I mean, it's just so beautiful in color, too. But I like both versions a lot. Um, I could deal without the 3D, for sure. Um, but, yeah, they're, I, I don't know. I, I think I like the color version better. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% on, on the colored version. Uh, I like that I have the option to watch the black and chrome edition because I there's, there's – like i mentioned earlier there's a lot going on there's a lot of detail like you can hang every frame of this movie on your wall um and there's just like there might be like a little left of center thing going on like especially in the beginning as you just like oh man there's there's a lot to this world here like you start seeing some of these extras going to get the water and some of them might be missing an arm or a tooth and or not have any limbs and just like how like what does a normal life look look like there and so like you you just can't help but wonder like what are they doing like a whole movie could be made about them and i wonder like how they operate um and so you can just kind of go down the line piece by piece or person to person um and but yeah it's the color for me just is great like there's a great balance between the oranges and the blues especially for nighttime um so i I feel like it takes a lot of inspiration from a lot of different artists like one of my good friends uh pointed out the specific artist to me that uh he may have george miller may have taken inspiration from for the moment with the tree the dead tree that they're they're pulling out uh trying to pull themselves out of the sand with um, can't remember the specific artist, but uh, you can like Google like some of the artistic uh, influences to this film. And so I I just, I value the color version more just because it just looks incredible. Like on 4k, like this and Blade Runner 2049 are like the prettiest uh, 4k movies that I own. Um, But I, I can understand like why, George Miller likes the black and white version so much. as long been said that he he did a certain uh, the crash scene from Road Warrior um, in black and white, and he always liked the way that that looked because he just feels like he, he likes that uh, that relationship between a movie that is set in the future and has this uh, certain way that it it operates and looks but using like a classical kind of feel. And I guess that that that's feeds into what I was describing earlier with the score of it, having like a, having that perfect marriage between uh, the classical and the future and futurism.
0: There you go. Uh, a, it is a beautiful movie visually and story wise, all of it. It, it. I mean, would you say this would be in your top 10 of the decade? Probably my top ten of all time. Oh, there you go, man.
1: Good good deal. Yeah, you know, it is it is that good. But it yeah, I wonderful. did I, I did put it on my list for top of the deck. I think I put it at number two. Um I I just value boyhood a lot, uh, but I think these movies are pretty much like neck and neck for what they accomplish um and how it's uh I mean we, we saw quite a few movies after uh, start to fall in line with this of movies starting to be made more practically deviating away from it. and now there's the question of like well what do we do in this COVID world where you know people can't be together uh, as much or be as in close proximity and are they going to be using more special effects and so uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how things evolve from here It sure will.
0: I am. I am looking forward to it for sure. Uh, But yeah, that's Mad Max Fury Road. And that, I think, wraps up our 88th episode of my bloody podcast. We did
1: it, Preston. We did it. There's more to go.
0: There is more to go. There is. We're we're, going to be back every week uh, with all of the goodness. Uh, But yes, thank you for listening to My Bloody Podcast. We are on iTunes and Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio. We can be found on Boomstick Comics as well. Uh, Just a whole bunch of stuff. Look up the Multimedia Men podcast network and you'll find us all here. I am Brian Kluger um, and you can find me all over the Internet at Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest and Screen Rant and YouTube, uh, and most recently, Instagram. Got back onto Instagram. And,
1: uh, yeah, uh, Preston's all over the Internet, too, right? Yeah, I'm not taking my shirt off and putting shaving cream on myself, but I am there. He, he is there. Where at? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, too, with the handle at Preston. BARTA, B-A-R-T-A, where I'm sharing uh, physical media and uh, movie news and things like that. Um, You can find my writing for the latest in, uh, I guess, in digital entertainment or uh, home media at dittonrc.com for Ditton Record Chronicle or freshfiction.tv where I'm the features editor.
0: Fantastic! And ladies and gentlemen, please try to find that Mad Max Fury Road mondo vinyl. Uh, check out cursed films on Shutter, Exterminators of the Year 3000 from Shout Factory, and Mad Max Fury Road on Blu-ray and 4K and digital. And we vinyl? Do- yes, and vinyl. All, all of all of the Mad Max. Uh, we're glad to be back, Preston. Always a pleasure.